Thanks, guys. Good evening. Great to see you all tonight. My name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here and part of our preaching team, and it is awesome to be together. This is uh, just going to be a really fun night, as Josh said, and I think we're all going to leave here really encouraged and just thankful for what God has done. That's how I feel when I think about last week. Last week was amazing as we kicked off our grand opening. Thank you to so many of you who invited friends, who invited family. A lot of them came, but I want to thank especially those of you who invited people and they didn't come. Because that shows your faith and your courage and your tenacity to say, hey, God's doing something and it's worth inviting people even if they say no. But a bunch of them did say yes. And so last week we had here on campus over 2,300 people, which is just absolutely amazing. Every, uh, every one of those people has a name and a story and they, are, they matter to God. God knows every hair on their head and God cares about them and we care about them too. And so that's just a really remarkable thing. Almost 600 of those were kids, by the way, which is just incredible um, just to see how God is working there. And so that's very cool. Um, and as fun as that was, the thing that I was actually more excited about than 2,300 people at a grand opening was that the whole week before that, we had around the clock prayer going on for 24 hours, seven days. Of the, of the seven days leading up, uh, just around the clock, there were people praying, and we had over 215 different people come in for an hour of prayer. And that actually excites me more than the 2300, because I think that actually what keeps the momentum of God's work in our community going is prayer. And uh, so thank you for those of you who are able to come. Some of you are able to come for multiple hours. uh, Some of you six, seven, eight hours. The thing I heard consistently from people was, wow, that went faster than I thought. It was easier than I thought. It was more fun than I thought. And when can we do it again? And so we said, you know what? We need to do it again. And so we're actually going to have 48 hours of around-the-clock prayer leading up to Fuse. We just decided that this week, and so we don't have any details on it. But we thought, you know what? As our students prepare to gather for that Fuse, kickoff, uh, summer camp kind of thing. We want to make sure we just launch them in prayer. And so I hope you'll join us uh, and, and we'll get you more information about that. So that was last week. Next week, we're starting a new sermon series through the book of Exodus. Uh, the book of Exodus, that'll be kind of our spiritual food through the fall. And so I hope you'll, I hope you'll join us for that. So new series next week, uh, going through Exodus. You know, there are some things like a new series in the fall, you just want new like, I'm not a huge Family Feud guy. I don't know all the topics they've covered on Family Feud. But I think that an interesting Family Feud topic would be things you'd rather have new than used. I don't know what comes to mind for you when you think of things you'd rather have new. Like, there's a lot I'm comfortable getting used, right? There's, there's Facebook Marketplace, and there's Craigslist, and there's all sorts of stuff I'm comfortable getting used. You, a lot of us buy houses used and cars used, and we're used to a lot of used stuff. There's some things you just would rather have new. Like I thought, you'd rather have a new mattress. So here's what I want you to do. Turn to your neighbor. Tell your neighbor the first thing that comes to mind that you really would rather not get used. All right? All right, I'm hearing a good bit of laughter and groaning. So uh, I don't know, shout out, shout out some of the things that, that you said. Underwear. underwear. How many of you said underwear? Yep, I think that's Family Feud's number one answer right there, underwear. Uh, what is that? Pencil bags. Pencil bags. <laughs> the nerd section in the front. All right, uh, anything else? 
Food? <laughs> you don't want used food? Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, mostly we think of like toiletries. I was going through the office and uh, people were saying deodorant, uh, toothbrush. I don't want to use toothbrush. Someone said, you know, we moved into our house and we replaced all the toilets because we want to use our own toilets. And I thought, it's one way to live your life. But I mean, there's just, <laughs> there's just things that we like having new. And uh, I think most of us, if given the choice between having something used or having something new, we would pick new. And I, I've just been thinking, what is it about us? Why do we love new things? And I, and I can't help but wonder if part of why we love new things is because we're made in the image of a God who loves to make things new. There's probably some consumerism in there and some materialism in there, but I wonder if at root, it's that we're made in the image of a God who just delights in making things new, so we love new things. Tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to hear some stories. We're going to hear uh, three different stories in just a moment, and then we're going to hear three more stories in the baptisms of how God is making people new. But before we get to that, I just want to make sure I lay the foundation for us that, that, that we understand where these stories fit in God's world and in God's plan. See, we believe here at Redemption Gateway that there is a true story of the world, that the Bible is not just kind of devotional bits and interesting spiritual ideas and little kind of things that might kind of motivate you, but rather that the true story, that the Bible is the true story of the world, that it's narrating history, and that our job is to find ourselves in that story. And the story of the Bible is a story of a God who makes things new. In the very beginning, in Genesis 1 and 2, God created things new. He created them beautiful and good. We were made in his image. Everything that he saw was very good. And yet it wasn't long before that new thing became broken and beat up through sin. Humanity made in God's image, made to represent God to each other, to the world, very quickly rebelled against God. It's amazing how fast it seems to happen. I mean, when you read the, the story, it doesn't tell you exactly in Genesis 3 how long was it that Adam and Eve were sinless before they sinned, but it seems like it wasn't very long. It, it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, my daughter Mary, who's five. She, she actually, a number of months ago, got one of these uh, stepping stones, and it was in the shape of a heart. It, these are the kinds of things, I don't know if you've seen these, you get them on Amazon or Target or whatever, and they're really cool. The, the kids paint them, they come with paint, and you paint them a certain color, and then you put them in the oven and you just heat it up real hot and it kind of sears the paint to the deal and it just looks really pretty. It's kind of like a kiln, you know, for pottery. And so Mary had this really pretty heart and she did all this work to paint it and just did it really well. It looked really good. And uh, she said, Daddy, look at, look at this heart that I made. I said, oh man, that's so amazing. She, so she said with Molly, she said, hey, let's go out back and let's put it in the ground. It's a stepping stone. Let's put it out there. And so they cleared out some area where the rocks were and they kind of made a little dirt spot and put the stepping stone in there and laid it there and kind of bunched all the rocks back around and I came out and I said oh my goodness Mary it looks so beautiful this is such a cool stepping stone I, I can't wait to step on it <laughs> and I stepped on it and the heart broke in half and the heart broke in half <laughs> right it was like we had this thing in the ground like 10 seconds before I crushed it and that's kind of how I imagine the rebellion of humanity. It just wasn't long. That tree wasn't planted there real long before they were munching the fruit. And yet in the midst of that, God is committed to establishing 
a new thing, even through and in the midst of broken people. So when you get to the book of Exodus, what you see, and this is actually what we'll start to look at next week, is that through the book of Exodus, God creates a new people called Israel. He takes them into a new land, and he gives them a new law, and he says, I'm going to allow you, Israel, to be my new people in this new land, with this new law, to be a light to the nations, to show the world what life is like in my kingdom when it's made new. The only problem was, he had a new people in a new land with a new law, but they didn't have new hearts. And so the Old Testament is constantly calling people to a new heart, but they can't do it themselves. We can't get a new heart. It has to be given to us. And so in Ezekiel, we read what we call a new covenant promise, where God promises to give his people a new heart and a new spirit to take out their heart of stone and to put in a heart of flesh. He says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to bring about this new thing. Well, how does he do it? How does he bring about the new thing? The way he brings about the new thing is through Jesus. Jesus came to fulfill that new covenant promise to make us new, dying in our place, rising again so that we could be made new. That's what we just read in 2 Corinthians 5. If you have your Bible again, look at it with me. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. It says, therefore... If anyone is in Christ, if anyone has trusted Christ, if anyone is united to Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That, that verse literally could be translated, if anyone is in Christ, new creation is here. Not just he's a new creation, but the whole creation is starting to be made new. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, made us new, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Here's what it means. In Jesus, we are invited to be made new. And then we are invited to go out as his agents, as his ministers of reconciliation, and we're to have a ripple effect on the people around us, inviting them to get a taste of what life is like in God's new world. This is why you have this strange language in the Bible of being born again. Maybe you've heard that and thought, born again? Why did Christians talk about being born again? Well, that was how Jesus talked about it. And the idea was that you couldn't just have a slight change, but you needed a total new earth. You needed to be made all over again. You know, I know this will shock you, but uh, throughout the history of the church, um, you know, the church has not always had a horse trough for its baptistry. I don't know if you knew this. I mean, I know this is shocking, but throughout history, it wasn't always like this. Um, and in fact, they often, in the kind of decoration and architecture and design of the church, would be very intentional about what baptistries were designed to communicate. And so there's actually a church in North Africa that in the fourth century was built, and they have a baptistry, and there's other churches like this from the early church. And in that baptistry, what you see is that it's actually shaped like a womb. Why? <laughs> now, aren't you glad we didn't go for that motif here, right? It's a little, it's a little awkward. But, but why that imagery? Because it's a picture of a new birth. It's a picture of someone being made new. And baptism is this picture that in Christ, because of faith in Christ, people have been made new. So Jesus sends us as his people, as his pink spoon people, giving the world a taste of what life is like in God's new kingdom, 
until he comes again. Why do we like things new? It's because we're made in the image of God. And it's because ever since we've sinned and rebelled against him, we're just longing to be made new. Now, here's what we know is when God makes us new, we got to tell somebody. And that's really what the rest of this service is about, is when God has made you new, when God has transformed you, when God has forgiven you, when God has cleansed you, when God has given you his spirit, when God has invited you into his new community, you got to tell somebody, you got to testify, you got to share that good news. Here's what it says in Psalm 66. The psalmist says, come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he's done for my soul. And so the rest of our service is going to be an opportunity to share what God has done. Now, before we get to the baptisms, we're going to share uh, three different stories that you're going to hear, and we're going to do it through the form of video. And kind of the way this came about, just to kind of help you understand this, is, you know, we have nine congregations across Redemption. And we gather together as leaders and we share stories about how God's at work. And every time we do it, we think, oh my goodness, it's just such a bummer that not everyone in our church gets to hear some of these stories. They're amazing. Like the things that are happening at this congregation would bless the people at this congregation and so on and so forth. And so we decided at the beginning of the year to bring on somebody to lead a a video stories team. And what they're doing is they're going around to each congregation and finding stories that are just worth telling to the rest of the Redemption family. And so they started with a story about a family that had gone through a deep loss and crisis at Redemption Alhambra and how God used that and is using that. Uh, Then they told a story from Redemption Gilbert about one of the worship leaders who was actually experiencing a ton of doubt and depression and anxiety. Even as he was trying to lead people in faith, he found himself doubting his own faith, how God has been working through that. And then the most recent one is the one that we're going to premiere tonight, which is a story called Ripple Effect. It's a story about a number of people here at Gateway, and I think it's just going to bless you and encourage you that God is in the business of making people new. So it's a it's a long story. It's one of the things we told them as we as we said, "Hey, do these videos." As we said, take as long as it takes to tell the story the way the story should be told. We're not going to give you some arbitrary kind of cutoff. So just tell the story as long as it takes. And so you'll find this story is about 20 minutes, so you can settle in. And uh, it's, I think, going to really, really encourage you. And then we'll, uh, I'll come back up and, and lead us as we begin to celebrate baptism. So go ahead and take a look at this. The first time I remember meeting David and Megan Messman was at a Start Here class um, a number of years ago. Start Here is kind of the introduction to our church. But I remember seeing them uh, partly because they're so tall. (laughs) And as the class progressed, I just kind of kept an eye on them because I sensed that um, they weren't maybe quite as experienced with the Bible. Um, They weren't quite as experienced with just kind of how church worked, and it was clear that they hadn't been around that. Um, I just kind of gave a special sort of attention to them because I I wanted them to feel comfortable there. I'm David Mesman, and I'm married to Megan Mesman. I'm Megan Mesman. I'm married to David. We have a daughter, Claire, who just turned one. We attend Redemption Gateway, and we've been attending there for about five years. 
months before David and Megan got married, they were engaged, and he had grown up going to church, and I think he'd been fairly involved as a kid and as a teenager. I was raised in a Christian home. I'm not saying that it was a perfect life or that we had everything granted to us, but I just know that my parents were always there with the Christian values to help support us, and that was something that was instilled in me. But as he got a little bit older and as he got into college and that sort of thing, a very kind of common story, he walked away from the faith. I allowed sin in my life and kind of lost my faith. He and Megan met, and she hadn't grown up really around church much. I grew up in Northern California in the Bay Area. I was baptized as a child, as a baby. And then I didn't have any exposure to faith until I was about 10 years old. I had an urge or something in me that I wanted to go to the church down the street with our neighbor. I went with them for probably about a year and a half, two years. I remember going to Sunday school. I remember doing different arts and crafts projects. I don't know why I stopped going, but I did. That was really the only exposure I had to faith until I met my husband. Well, pretty early on, David and Megan shared with me their story about how uh, he had sprung on her, you know, soon before their wedding that uh, they were going to be Christians. And I just found that incredibly funny and interesting. There's always that thing that comes out during the engagement, before a wedding, that like stops the wedding. At some point in time, I'm going to have to say it. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm just going to bite the bull and do it. And I said, hey, honey, um, I just want you to know that one of the things that I want is a couple Bible verses in our wedding vows or just in the wedding in itself. He said, well, I want some Bible verses read at the ceremony. And I looked at him like, what? Bible verses? And I said, why? And he said, he said, well, we're going to raise our family and we're going to raise our kids as Christians. And <laughs> this was news to Megan. What? And just so you know that when we do have children, um, I want to take our kids to church on Sundays. And if you don't want to go, you're more than welcome to stay at home and we can go by ourselves and we'll come back and we'll do our thing on Sundays, but we'll, we'll be going to church. Um, so that was how the conversation went and it was kind of a, an argument at that point. Her reaction was just more, I don't understand. I don't know why you want this, why are you asking this now? And then we kind of left it, and I think I needed to kind of sit on it. Even though David had been a very kind and respectful guy, it wasn't like faith was something he wore on his sleeve, it wasn't something that they talked a great deal about, and so this was um, a funny thing for him to kind of spring on her um, just months before they got married. I guess I didn't realize what was going to take place afterwards, I just wanted to you know, have a couple Bible verses and go to church on Sundays. After the conversation, I sat down with one of my friends and we started reading through the Bible to find these passages. And as we were reading through, I said, maybe we should go to church. <laughs> and then next thing you know, it led to, well, let's figure this out. Let's go to church. I found the church and then he said, let's go. I remember I got dressed very conservatively in all black, and he asked if we were going to a funeral. It's <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> um, I didn't know what to wear. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know 
how laid back it was going to be, how serious it was going to be. It was a whole new experience for me. We started attending Redemption, I want to say, probably about four to five months prior to our wedding. And she and I had really started saying, okay, well, if we're going to do these Bible verses, if we're going to read these or we're going to have some verses read, I want to know what religion is. I want to know what Christianity is. And that's when she just delved in off into the deep end and said, I'm going for this. As I was getting to know David and Megan, she was especially all in. I mean, she was coming to everything. She would sign up for everything. She had all these questions. And I think they were genuine questions, but I think there was also a sense of like, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this. Next thing you know, we were in a Start Here class. From the Start Here class, it was... RC group, and then a weekend with the story of God, and then Fundamentals of the Faith, and then Christianity 101 class. It was, you know, church on Sunday, of course, and then me volunteering. And I realized what I was signing up for. <laughs> he even at times was sort of pumping the brakes and thinking, when I said I wanted to be Christian, I'm not sure I wanted to be this Christian. I think a lot of times he was biting his tongue for going, I want to raise our kids Christian. It was just sort of fun to, to see where they were in that process. And so as, as I got to know David, it was clear that he'd grown up around church. So he thought of himself as a Christian, but he also didn't really know a great deal and was in a sense sort of rediscovering his own faith. And I think Megan was really trying to make sense of what did it all mean and what did it mean for her. We heard about the Start Here class, and we signed up for that, and we took the class with Luke. It felt like no one else was where I was. Um, I felt like I was in a room of people who were Christians that maybe had just started coming to Redemption Gateway uh, and wanted to get involved, be in an RC, things like that. Um, not someone who had never been to church, was, was going to start here because it was literally me starting there. So I raised my hand and asked Luke, where should I start if I've never read the Bible before? I remember her when she asked me, where should I start reading the Bible? And I told her, well, read the Gospel of Mark. It's straightforward, and it's just great for Americans to read to get started in Jesus because it's action-packed. So I went home, and I pulled out that Bible off of the dusty bookshelf, and I found Mark. It took me a little while to find it, but I found it. And I started reading through it, and I started taking notes on it felt like paraphrasing what was going on and how, how it was coming across to me was the best way that I was learning. Well, two days later, she called or texted me and said, okay, I'm done with Mark. And I remember thinking, you know, most Christians I know just read a chapter a day and it takes like a lifetime to ever get through the Bible. She just finished it and said, okay, now what? And then I read Matthew, Luke, and John and got a really good basis for Jesus and who he was and what his story was. Every weekend or every week, it seemed like there was a new class we were taking and he just rolled with the punches and knew, knew what it was doing for me. I didn't know at the time what it was doing for me. I really felt like Christianity in the beginning for me was something, something I wanted to learn about, something I wanted to I almost thought of it like a big class. Like, if I can learn as much as possible, then eventually I'll just be able to say, I didn't at that point think to say I'm, I'm a Christian, but maybe to just to say, okay, at least I know, I know what it is. I know most of the points about it. And I felt like there was this point where I was gonna hit and be like, oh, aced it. 
There were a number of times over the next few years where I thought, I think they've become Christians. Uh, I think they're walking with the Lord and I think maybe they should get baptized. And so every time we would do a baptism service, because we do them every uh, few months, I would kind of ask, hey, do you think now's the time? Do you think now's the time? And, and especially for Megan, there was kind of a hesitation, I think, that um, did she really know enough and was she really certain? Um, I think for David, it was a little bit more like, would this be embarrassing to admit that maybe I need to get baptized? Because after all, I thought I'd grown up in the faith. Um, but for whatever reason, they just didn't feel like they were ready. And so at some point, we started a new program called Fundamentals of the Faith, which was similar to Christianity 101, only it was a little bit longer and it was more of a mentoring type relationship. And so they began that with Rick Fisher. And one of the lessons along that way talks about how if you're a follower of Christ, if you're really a Christian, you need to get baptized. Uh, it doesn't save you, but it is a sign that you have a relationship with God and a way of publicly testifying to that fact. I was baptized as a child, and so was she, but I didn't realize what baptism truly meant. And I always felt like there was more I needed to do to become a Christian, more I needed to learn, more classes, of course, to take. And there was some point where, with knowledge, I would have enough of it that I could say, okay, I'm a Christian. It wasn't really a, do I actually believe, but do I know enough to be a Christian? And we were like, we believe? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think so. I remember they got in touch with me and said, hey, we want to get baptized. And I remember thinking, yes, that's awesome. such a joy in the process as a pastor of watching David and Megan uh, be baptized was here were all these people who had all these fingerprints in the story. And I played one role, Jay and Tiffany Power played another role, and the people in the RC played another role, and Rick and Ann Fisher played a role, and the folks who led the Story of God Weekend played a role. It just was this team reality of someone coming to faith in a community. I don't have to do anything to earn Jesus' love and his grace. I don't need to take all of these classes. I don't need to do all of this to be a Christian and for him to love me. I need your help with something. And that will be? Well, I was making something special for you in the oven. Why the hell is that? <laughs> well, what is it? It's a, it's a bun. It's a bun. Where was it? Yeah. Where was the bun? Yeah. Where did you just take it from? The bun was, Where was it? in the oven. It was in the oven. Oh! <laughs> oh, my God. It was really fun when I heard that David and Megan were pregnant. We'd been in RC with them for a number of years. It was just so exciting. This thing that <laughs> David had sprung on Megan of we're going to raise our family as Christians was now happening. That just was really special. So Claire was dedicated uh, this past November. I invited a lot of people. I invited 
some of my high school students, I invited some of my college students, I invited all of our family and our friends, and a few days prior, I had reached out to Morgan and just said, hey, you know, we're dedicating Claire. I know you've been to the church a few times, but how about you come back and, you know, come hang out? Morgan Westbrook, take one. My name is Morgan Westbrook. I go to Redemption Gateway. I met Morgan when she was in high school as one of David's students. I met Dave when I was a sophomore in high school. He was the athletic trainer at the high school I attended, Campo Verde, and I had my own sports injury, so I would I started going to him for rehabilitation when I was swimming. I found out he was the sports medicine teacher at our school, so then my junior and my senior year, I took the classes sports medicine one and two. I was my own person, didn't have many friends, just wanted to do sports medicine, and that was about it. Aside from Dave being a teacher, he was also a mentor to me. I mean, I would go to him for silly stuff in high school, and, you know, he'd always lead everybody down the right path. My dad was raised Catholic, and my mom was raised Lutheran, so they never made me or my sisters choose a faith. And I never really thought about you know, going or attending. My family didn't growing up. We never really had a, a ritual or like a Sunday ritual where we would go to church, come home. When I was 15, I had a girlfriend in high school who introduced me to church. And then throughout high school, I never continued. I sort of retreated and spent my time doing other things. After graduating high school, I went to trade school to become a phlebotomist. I didn't go to college. My senior year was really rough. So I got my certificate and then took the state test, became registered, and then I, was, I started drawing blood. And then shortly after that was when I met my son's dad. We were together for a very short amount of time before we got married and moved to San Diego moved back, moved back to California a couple times in a couple years. <laughs> and after that ended, I came home. My son's name is Oliver. He is four years old. And um, he is the light of my life. I feel like I fell apart after I gave birth to him. For the first three years, I was struggling to figure out my purpose. You know, what I went through with his dad and just being young and trying to find ourselves and figure out parenting at 19, we didn't, we were all over the place, especially myself. And I didn't, I felt like I had no sense of direction. I think that's what reconnected me to Dave and his wife, Megan. I think we were placed back in each other's lives, ultimately, for a reason. We invited Morgan to Claire's dedication, and little did we know until later on what a huge effect seeing Claire dedicated had had on her. The people around this church have molded and shaped me, and my husband and I were baptized here, and it just brings me great joy to Dedicate Claire today. <laughs> Seeing Dave and Megan dedicate Claire really opened my eyes to what's more important 
I having my own child and knowing that I have to lead and set an example. It wasn't until months later that she had approached me and I, I thought for some reason that there was something major that happened and she was calling me, texting me, said, hey, um, can I just stop by? I need to talk to you in person. Um, I told her, I said, hey, I, I just can't. Can we just talk over the phone? And I thought the worst or something had happened. And so we got on the phone and she got very serious, but said, I just want you to know how much that day meant to me and that in with Claire and seeing you guys with her that I have just this feeling and this urge to be connected with God now. I started attending church pretty much every Sunday and then I was with Dave and with Megan one night. We were having a discussion and I, I told him, I said, you know, last week at church, some, something was really tugging at me. I don't know. I, at the time, I still was like, what do I call it? What do I, I don't know what I'm feeling, but I knew it was God speaking to me. So I first talked to Morgan on the phone. I had never met Morgan. I didn't know about Morgan. She had filled out a baptism application, which kind of allows people to tell their story. Luke called me after I submitted my like online form for baptism. I was, I was blown away. I thought it was amazing to hear how she basically told me that she had come to the dedication of Claire in November and had basically just never stopped coming, that just week after week after week. It was just clear that God was working. And similar to David and Megan, when I was talking to Morgan, I think I, think I had a clearer sense, this, this girl's saved, like God has made her new. He was very reassuring. He said, you sound ready. Um, I think this is really exciting. And the fact that, you know, Dave and Megan and that they're, a, they're very influential in your life, I think having them involved and, you know, I think that would be really cool. One of the things that we really try to do is have people who are baptized, if they want to and can, be baptized by someone who is influential in them coming to faith. And so I really encouraged her and she was excited to ask David to do it. I want to be baptized because I have surrendered my heart to him. It's been it's in been God's, God's forgiveness and Christ's undeniable love for me that I now feel free. It was really powerful. It was really emotional. I don't feel like I'm treading in water anymore. I'm not trying to stay afloat. I Now I just feel whole. I don't feel like I'm missing anything. Man, it was cool. As cool as it was to watch Morgan be baptized, I was just as excited to watch David baptize her. I realized what we unknowingly we're doing and just raising our daughter that um, would have an impact on somebody else that just with a simple text said, hey, will you show up and be there with us that 
I was then able to be there with her and baptize her. You know, it's interesting with Morgan, it's like we've had this effect on her and, you know, but I feel like we've just been being ourselves and it almost seems like the Lord just has kind of like seeped out our pores without us even knowing. She was so young when she got pregnant and got married and I just, I feel like God and through coming to church, she's just, she started this new path and is really growing into a beautiful young lady right before our eyes. What I love about this story is that it feels like why we started this church. Um, we started the church to reach people who didn't have a church background or were disconnected from that background. And so David and Megan coming to faith felt uh, just so much like this is why we do this. When I think about Claire, and when I think about Oliver, I think about how their lives are going to be forever different because their mom and dad love Jesus. Because Morgan is raising Oliver to know him. I think Oliver's life is much better because God has really put this calmness in me. I just finally feel steady. Now that I've found my purpose and I've established my relationship with God, he's going to see that and he's going to learn and he's going to understand that my strength comes from him. God's in the business of making people new. Amen? I mean, how good is that? And uh, we just praise him and we thank him for the work that he does through all the little small things, all the little ordinary ways of life that Jesus just seeps out our pores and makes a difference. I don't know if you're a person that maybe feels like Megan felt, where you feel like, gosh, it feels like everybody here knows how this works, and they all know how this is supposed to go, and I'm the only person here that doesn't have this Christianity thing figured out. I just want to tell you tonight, you're not alone. Maybe you're a person that thinks, you know what, I've got a past, and I've got some things in in my story that I, I just don't know how God could forgive or redeem or make beautiful. He can That's what God does. He takes broken people and broken stories and he makes them beautiful. And he does it through Jesus. Jesus is the one who came to make us new. So in just a few moments, we're gonna have the opportunity to hear some more stories of how God is making people new and to celebrate with baptism. So the folks that are getting baptized are gonna come and they're gonna have their stories uh, shared here. And then we're gonna have an opportunity to sing and to celebrate. And while we're singing and celebrating, uh, the folks who are getting baptized will uh, get the chance to go under. And like Josh said earlier, we'll go crazy and we'll cheer and we'll have a great time. So uh, first story, come on out.